You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Good morning. Again, my name's uh, Adam, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we're super grateful that you are here this morning. Um, the past several weeks have looked a little different at the village. Um, I think a few weeks ago, Michael pe- preached through the last 62 chapters of Genesis in about a 40-minute period. Um, few, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were at Markham Park. Is that, we're in the park, picnic in the park. And then last week, we had an opportunity to uh, see Chow come and talk to us about Lemonade International and some of the opportunities to partner with that group. And then this week, you have me. Uh, I'm not the one that's usually up here, and so if it's your first time here, I apologize. Please come back. We care that you're here. We really do. And so, uh, but we're starting a three-week uh, series um, on toil and rest or work and rest. And, and if you've been here for any length of time, you realize that, again, the last several weeks have been a little bit different, that we value preaching through whole books of the Bible. We think that's really important uh, for us to do as, as a church gathered um, but we also believe it's really important every now and then to pause and to go deep uh, and to apply Scripture to different topics and issues. And so I'm really excited about the next three weeks. Um, um, I, I'm going to take the first week, and we're going to talk about how God defines work. And I'm going to talk about work being a gift from God. Um, and I would inc- next week, Michael's going to be talking about uh, how sin breaks work. And I think when we think about work, we think about the brokenness of work. So that'll be majority of, of what we'll hit on next week. And then we'll talk about how the gospel redefines work and, and, and apply rest uh, as a critical command and, and rhythm in our life. So you may be thinking uh, this morning, man, it's Sunday. Um, why are we talking about work? I've got a few more hours of my weekend. I don't, why, why is this applicable um, at all, and, and can we just not, not talk about that? But I think it's uh, actually critically important um, for one main reason. For those of us who claim to follow Jesus and are disciples of Jesus, Jesus is a king, and he's a king uh, over every area of our lives. And so there's not an area, a realm, a sphere that you live in, a domain that you live in in your life that he's not king, that he shouldn't inform in some way, transform in some way, or we should be living in light of. And I happen to believe that work, what we do with the most productive waking hours of our time, should be submitted to that lordship. We should understand how our discipleship, how our pursuit of Jesus and his lordship informs what we do with our work. So I'll begin with a question. What will we be doing in heaven? (laughs) That was rhetorical, but... (laughs) What will we be doing in heaven? I don't know if you've ever thought about that question, or maybe even that's an awkward place to start. But for me, again, I think it's really important for us to, to think about this. Will it, be like, will it be like Disney World? If you've ever taken a vacation to Disney World, it, the vacationers, not the workers necessarily, but will it be like Disney World? Or how about golf, if you enjoy golfing? The beach, maybe. Is that what we'll be doing in heaven? 
Or for me, if, if we could just watch endless baseball games over and over and over again. Is that what heaven is in this life that either you've experienced or that you desire to experience? Is that what heaven is going to be like? Is that what we're going to be doing? Again, this might be silly, but I think uh, it's really important, one, that we wrestle deeply with this question and we imagine uh, what it will be like, and two, that we have our imaginations formed by what Scripture teaches us and the story uh, that the Bible is telling. Does what you do now that you would consider work, and I'll define that in just a minute, does it have any impact in eternity. Outside of our explicit opportunities to, to share the gospel with people at work or, or how sanctification is working, how we're becoming more like Jesus through the toil, outside of those things is what you do that you consider work, does it have any eternal significance? And so what am I describing as work? Really work just very broadly, the way that I'm thinking about it and we'll apply it is um, any productive activity that we participate in outside of work and play or rest and play sorry so work is simply all productive activity apart from rest or play and hopefully that's broad enough uh, that you can make your own application uh, as we're unpacking this this morning but it's it's paid or unpaid it's either recognized as an official job or or maybe not you may have a fancy title or you may have no title at all but it's anything that our head, heart, and hands are participating, uh, are participating in throughout the majority of our waking hours. That, that's what work is. And so maybe you, maybe you build things. Uh, maybe you uh, run a business. Maybe you raise kids. Um, maybe you bake cookies. Maybe you clean houses, cut hair, uh, on and on and on. Maybe you pastor a church. Maybe you're a student. Uh, all those things I'm considering uh, work. So does any of that have any lasting, eternal impact? And this is uh, timely for me. Uh, I've worked in the marketplace the last 20 years of, of my career, and I've always felt um, called to the marketplace and, and the value that work has uh, in God's kingdom. Um, but I've also, it's really hard to strive to live faithfully as, as a disciple of Jesus um, as, as you're leading and, and serving people in an organization. Um, and I think it's timely for everybody here that is striving to live an integrated life where your Sunday and your Monday are part of the same fabric, woven into our faith and trust in Christ and his finished work in our lives. When there's an integration between what we do and what we're doing now and what we may find ourselves doing uh, on Monday morning. Prepping for this, I listened to, um, I read a lot and I listened to a lot of um, uh, YouTube videos and, and teachings and, and podcasts on this. And there was a, together, uh, uh, the Gospel Coalition did a panel discussion on work and redefining work. And one of those, uh, it had several people on there, but Tim Keller, who shaped a lot of my thinking on a wide variety of theological issues, but certainly uh, has been very impactful in this was from, and if, if I get this right, he was a strategic consultant, which who knows what those people even do. But he was a strategic consultant uh, for a company. And he provided, uh, this, is what, this is what he said, 
Tell me why I'm not going to say at the end of my life, I wasted it by being a strategic consultant. And I'll tell you, that's the question that I've wrestled with the last 20 years. Tell me why what I've chosen to do to make a living isn't going to be a waste of my life. So translation, in God's economy, for those who are following Jesus and seeking to live as he would have us live, what value does my work have? And I think there's an incredible gap in our theology between what we believe about who God is and who he's made us to be and what we do with our vocation, what we do with our work. Uh, One pastor, Scott Sauls, in a book, Irresistible Faith, puts it like this. As a pastor, I'm often surprised by the number of Christians who treat their Monday as if it has zero connection with their Sunday. Many head into the world without a well-developed, biblically-informed, game-changing outlook on the way life in Christ is meant to transform their vocational lives. This is not only a missed opportunity, but also a significant miscarriage of true Christian discipleship and mission. So, like I've sensed my whole life, and, and like Scott is, is describing here, there is, there's a disconnect that exists. And we feel like we're stuck maybe in this endless, meaningless cycle where work is reduced to nothing more than just scavenging. Like we just have to do something to survive, to take care of our families, to eat, and maybe to accumulate stuff. It's ultimately what work is reduced to. And we get very disillusioned about what we thought we were going to be doing at 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, and I don't know what this is like, but 50 years old, 60 years old. We get, we get disillusioned with where we thought and what we thought we would be doing. And we don't have a really good idea of how our faith uh, should inform and what, and what the story the Bible is telling and how that applies to our own personal stories. So a little bit about me. I, I, um, I've worked at Humana, which is a large insurance company, for the last 14 years. And within that, I've had probably four or five different roles, um, jobs uh, at that company. And in 2013, uh, I took a leadership role to manage or oversee their specialty uh, pharmacy. And really, what, what specialty pharmacy? Uh, we provide and dispense uh, very expensive medications that take care of chronic conditions, things like multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. My wife probably didn't even know I could say that word. Um, cancer. And these drugs oftentimes either extend life, increase quality of life, and sometimes even cure disease. So it sounds like a, a, pretty, cool, a pretty cool gig. And yet I remember uh, about 10 years ago being in my uh, kitchen in Louisville and, and talking to Emily. And I think we had about <clears throat> three kids at the time. So I've been at Humana about four years. I'm beginning to, to build my career and just trying to figure out what, what, what do I want to do. And there was, this, there was this conflict of um, what I felt like I should be doing as a follower and disciple of Jesus and this career path that seemed to be unraveling in front of me. And I remember I described it this way. And remember, I got a little bit of flair for the dramatic. I said, I feel like there's this little black spot on my soul that's getting bigger and bigger and bigger after every year that passes working for this Fortune 100 company at the time. 
that I feel like there's this, this tension, and I describe, I feel like you're, there's small compromises. I, I don't know, you know, I, I can't just preach Jesus every time somebody comes into my office. I, I feel this, this tension between my discipleship and what I felt like was happening uh, within my career. I felt like there's probably a way I could have an even bigger impact for the kingdom was really the question that I was asking. And what I've come to realize and if, if, if you know me well, that tension hasn't gone away. Um, this is still uh, a struggle for me, and it's still something that I wrestle through almost on a, uh, a daily basis. But what I've come to realize is what I, what I needed, what we need, what we all need in this room, is to reimagine our work and root it in the story the Bible is telling. And so this morning, my goal is just to begin to build a, a theology of work. Uh, I talked to Michael before coming up here, and there's just so much to say, and the more that I think about this and and experience life and and seek Christ and and, and read and understand, the more I feel like we need to be informed, but I'm just going to take a little small step forward to kind of build out a theology of work, because I think we need a robust, deep, healthy theology of work that centers and grounds it in who God is, who we are, and his mission and purpose um, that he has for his image bearers. So the main idea. I'm supposed to be taking time. So uh, the main idea is work is from God and is a good gift to his image bearers. Work is from God and is a good gift to his image bearers. So again, maybe you've never thought deeply about work at all or how it relates to Jesus, but I want you to know what we're going to see this morning is work existed before the fall work existed before the fall it's not part of the curse it's certainly impacted by the curse but it's not part of the the curse and so there will be monday and and it's going to exist in the new heavens and the new earth and it's part of our future and so there will be monday mornings for all of eternity not, not exactly that way, but there will be Monday mornings. And work is one of the greatest gifts that God has given humanity. So, so this book, if there's any uh, Bible project people, you'll, you'll, you'll hear this and this will sound familiar. But this book uh, is, tells one unified story that points to Jesus. 66 books, right, written over the course of 13, 1400 years by 40 different authors, and it telling, it's telling one story, and it, it's all pointing to and culminates in Jesus, and we need to understand that when we approach any topic broadly, like work, that, that mainly that's what this book is doing. Another helpful frame is creation, it's Genesis 1 and 2, and we're going to spend uh, the majority of our time there this morning, fall. This is Genesis 3, humanity's rebellion. Then there's redemption, basically the rest of, of the Old Testament culminating in what Jesus has done and secured for us on the cross and continuing with the church, us. And then there's restoration, new heavens and new earth. So these, these frames, these way of approaching this book are really important for us when, when we're orienting around how does work uh, impact our story. This world is headed, it's headed somewhere. It started in a garden, uh, and it's going to end in a, in a city. And so although it's been created, there's still opportunity for it, and it's still being created. It's under development. It's under construction 
uh, in that sense. And we're part of that grand story. So I submit that our work lacks meaning because the culture, mainly our American culture, is telling a different story that we believe over and above the story Scripture's telling. And that story, it's one of many, but the story that I would distill it is, number one, we're consumers. So we're meant to consume. Life is short. So consume and get as much as you can. Buy more things. Get experiences. That's the story that we largely believe over and above what the Bible's telling us. So point one. God was the first worker creating order and beauty for the benefit of others. You might be surprised to know that humans were not the first to work, but God was the first worker. So if you have your Bibles, or they may or may not be up on the, up on the screen, we're going to be in Genesis 1 and 2 and kind of jumping around uh, a little bit. But this story, and that's what, that's what it is, it begins like a lot of uh, epic tales. And it begins with, in the beginning. So Genesis 1, chapter 1, the author is interested in, like, in the beginning. And there's been lots of debate and ink spilt around the nature of this portion of Scripture that we're not going to get in. But I think the story is far more interested in describing to us that we understand the why much more than the how. And I'll kind of lay that there for now, but Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So what's God doing? In the beginning, he creates, and he creates everything that we see down here, the material world, he's creating that, and he creates everything that we see up there. It's not exactly what comes into mind when we think heaven and earth. I don't know what you think about, but that's not exactly what the the author is is intending of these two separate spaces. But he's creating the physical realm, and then he's creating everything else that's up in the sky. And and what do you see here? The, The spirit is hovering over what? The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. I learned a really cool... Uh, phrase in Hebrew preparing for this and it's tohu vavohu just say that for fun tohu vavohu no okay it's fun you should say it but it it's formless and void Uh, one uh, author and, and, and commentary it's wild and waste so I don't know exactly what existed back then in the beginning but the way that the Bible is describing it is tohu va vohu. It's disordered, it's formless, it's void, and the Spirit is hovering over that. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated light from darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. Does tohu vavohu, does formless and void, wild and waste, sound like a place that humans would want to inhabit, that humans would flourish in? There might be other creatures that, that, would, that would flourish in, in that, but not for humans. And so what we see God doing just in the first is he's separating darkness 
from light. He's making evening and morning, day and night. He's creating time for humans. He's bringing order out of order over and over again. God is taking tohu vavohu and he's creating order and beauty for the benefit of others, for the benefit of us. And that's what we see God doing over and over again. And after every phase of that, he's declaring it is good. So in verses 11 through 13, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning. Again, God's bringing vegetation out of, out of the land, out of the soil. He's birthing all of this potential, and he's creating uh, the opportunity for agriculture, the opportunity for weather. Um, he, he's ordering all of this uh, potential for the good and for the benefit of others. And in verse 20, And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And 24, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creeping things, beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I don't know what this looked like, and I don't know what your imagination is, but he's bringing beasts out of the ground. And he ultimately brings human beings out of the ground. Um, but the idea is the potential that God is bringing out and bringing order and beauty for the benefit of others. And in verses 26 and 28, we'll, we'll skip over that for now, but uh, he creates uh, humans uh, out of the dust of the ground as well. And in verse 31, he says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning on the sixth day. Um, it, this reminds me what God is doing here with Tohu Vavohu, creating order and beauty for the benefit of others. Uh, I was gone two weeks ago uh, traveling, and I got home Friday afternoon, and I pulled into the driveway, and the garage door was up, and, and, and all I want to do is just park the car in the, in the garage and get out and, you know, lay on the couch and and my youngest daughter, Andy, and a friend of hers uh, was over, and it was probably 80-something degrees outside, and they were sitting right at the opening of the garage door, and there was just stuff everywhere. Uh, and I don't just mean, like, garage stuff. I mean sticks and leaves and weeds, and they were all in the garage, and uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I was a little bit annoyed um, to come home to that, and I got out of the car, and she wanted to show me what she had made, and Andy, Kylie had an imagination like this as well, but Andy has probably the greatest imagination that we have in our family. She's always creating and thinking and telling stories and, and acting, 
and she wanted to show me what she had made, and she had taken the sticks, the leaves, the weeds, I don't even know what some of this stuff was, and she had a roll of scotch tape sitting right by it, and she had taken, and I, I, again, I don't know what these creatures were called, I don't want to name them, but I mean, they were actually beautiful, ordered, and something that she was beholding, and even something that I could behold. And so I think about taking all the raw materials that are disordered, that were, I think she was going in the neighbor's yards and pulling leaves off, because we don't have some of those plants in our yard. And she was bringing order and beauty for the benefit of others. And in Genesis 2, verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So just in case you didn't think that the Bible would describe what he was doing as work, God is resting from his work. God is the first worker in the Bible. And what was his work? To bring order and beauty for the benefit of others out of tohu va vohu. And so that's what it means to work, to bring order and beauty, to make things beautiful for the benefit, for the good of others. Second point, God God's image bearers reflect God's work. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish and over the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What does it mean to be image bearers of God, to image God. In this, we see of all of God's creation, we're the only creatures that were one declared image bearers of God, and then we're giving the explicit command because other creatures don't need the command to be fruitful and multiply. They're just, they're going to do that. But we've been given the command to be fruitful and multiply and, and have dominion and subdue the earth. So I don't want to, uh, anybody to misunderstand. We, we are like God, but we are not God. And we are not little gods like him in many ways. And we were built and made to reflect him, his, his character and his activity in the world as image bearers. And so do we, do we, do we believe this? Particularly when it comes to our work, do we believe this? As image bearers, we not only... Uh, Uh, We're not not only just producing more image bearers, we're creating culture. We're creating cities. uh, We're creating uh, systems and organizations and businesses, and we're producing goods and services. That directly is reflecting who God has made us to be. It's bringing order and beauty for the benefit of others. And, And notice in these verses, there's no exploitation of rule, dominion, subdue. 
There, there's no hint of that. No, no exploitation here at all. And so we're charged to multiply ourselves, to produce more image bearers, to continue to bring out the potential, the order, and the beauty that God has created. This story begins to infuse our work with purpose and meaning. This story brings value to what we find our head, hands, and hearts doing. This is more than just earning a living. This is more than just getting through and and living for Friday. There's dignity in work, in almost any form of work. Um, I heard over and over again, you know, we can look down on certain types of work, and even uh, in our building, there's uh, a cleaning crew that comes in that we regularly interact with, and it's high turnover because there's new people uh, that come in a lot. It's probably sourced by a temp agency, but I think often, what if nobody ever cleaned this office? Like, what if nobody ever cleaned one year, two years, ten years? So you, you think about, uh, when, when we start to think about the bigness or the impact that our work is having and the dignity and the value, there's no work. Um, there's some work. Uh, that I, Hopefully I don't have to describe what those are that Christians shouldn't participate in. But the vast majority of vocations and work are imaging who God and what his work was of bringing order and beauty for the benefit of others. And uh, in Genesis 2, verse 15 The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to what? To work. So somewhere in God's plan, we're looking at the ideal right now, heaven and earth, God's realm, man's realm, completely overlapped, man walking with God in the cool of the day. God's ideal included human beings working, cultivating the earth, creating, managing, subduing, ordering, taking care of the earth. And so our work is intimately connected to who we are as image bearers, and that infuses it all with meaning, purpose, and value. So how how does this so we see this in Genesis 1 and 2 of, of who God is, what his work is, and how we're made to reflect that. How does this connect to anything to the future? In Colossians chapter 3. See, I still think we don't believe the idea. We may, we may even sit here and say, eh, that makes sense. Like, I get it. Now, this is what our Jesus life looks like. And then Monday morning, what happens? For me, almost by 8.15, what happens? Well, this is just what I'm doing to make a living. This is, you know, there's things that I have to get done. There's people I have to tell them what to do. If there's, if there's uh, pressure or deadlines or, or presentations or projects that aren't going the way that I think they should be going, like I immediately can separate my Jesus life my, the things that I do as a disciple of Jesus and what I'm doing Monday morning. And that shouldn't, that shouldn't exist. And in uh, Colossians chapter 3, Paul just gives us a, a hint, I think an, a door, a foreshadowing 
of what, how it destroys that type of thinking and how damaging it is. And again, I'll admit I'm taking a verse right now and I'm kind of pulling it out of a letter and there's all kinds of context and things going on around that. I don't think I'm misusing this in any way, but there's other things that are, that are going on uh, within this letter. But I'm still going to go for it. Uh, Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that the Lord knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. What type of work is doing the Lord's work? Is it what I'm doing? Is it what Scott or Michael or Matt or the deacons, is that what they're doing? What does Paul say? Whatever you do, work heartily. So whatever you do, work heartily as for who? The Lord. So I don't ultimately, although I get a paycheck and although I lend my hopefully talents and services to an organization to help advance their mission and purpose in the world, I don't ultimately, my ultimate allegiance isn't to Humana. My ultimate allegiance and who I'm working for is Jesus. And so it's very destructive to think about, to, 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 to tear apart these spheres of this is what I do when I'm a Christian, when I'm in community group, when I'm, when I'm with the gathered church, when I'm expi- explicitly sharing the gospel with someone, and then there's this realm of, of secular work that I have to engage in. And look at what Paul says on the second half of that verse. You will receive the inheritance as your reward. I think this is just a foreshadowing of what our work is doing for us in eternity. It's not earning us our salvation. Christ ultimately did that on our behalf. But it is a deposit that will get us an inheritance in the new heavens and the new earth. There is something about our work and what we're doing and our contribution and our submitting our wills to how God would have us uh, work and, and interact that will carry over and that will be in the new heavens and the new earth. The vision is Sundays and Mondays completely integrated together. Jesus is King and Lord over even our work. And the last point is God's gift is good work for all eternity. The divine gift of work eternity for those of us who trust Christ Your work may be frustrated. It may be incomplete. Uh, It's certainly going to be a struggle. Uh, But Christ gives us the opportunity to live and work with excellence and humility and integrity. There's a future city that awaits. And that city, even now, reaches back into our time and space and calls us into a deeper reality and experience related to our work. The, The The city is also calling us forward and shapes our perspective and transforms uh, our work into good work. Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote uh, Lord of the Rings, he wrote a short book called The Leaf by Niggle. And I I read this book uh, a couple of years ago um, as I was just wrestling through uh, some of my own work and how I thought about it. Uh, and, and really, it's a short story that Niggle is an um, artist who is 
charged to paint uh, a tree on City Hall. And uh, as he goes to work on this mural that was going to be enjoyed and that would benefit lots of others and create this beauty, he's frustrated time and time again uh, by just uh, his own issues that he has in his life. He's got an annoying neighbor that he's got to take care of. Uh, and ultimately, he never gets around to, to painting what he had envisioned and what he was very passionate about creating uh, on the side of this building. And he ends up dying after only completing one leaf on that tree. And he's on the train to heaven. And as it's going down uh, the tracks, he starts to sense something very familiar and he asks to stop the train. And as he steps off the train, he looks up and he sees this, this tree. But it's even better than he had envisioned. And as he gets closer to the tree, he sees his leaf right in the middle of the tree. And in the end, Niggle realized that all of it, the tree, the leaf that he had contributed was a glorious, completed gift. And reflecting on that uh, story, Tim Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, uh, says this. There is a tree. Whatever you are seeking in your work, the city of justice and peace, the world of brilliance and beauty, the story, the order, the healing is there. There is a God, there is a future healed world that he will bring about your work is showing, that your work is showing it in part to others. Your work will only be partially successful on its best days in bringing that world about, but inevitably the whole tree that you see, the beauty, the harmony, justice, comfort, joy, and community will come to fruition. If you know all this, you will not be despondent that you can only get a leaf or two out of this life. You will work with satisfaction and joy. And this is how we should think about our work. It's a gift that's meant to be opened, that's meant to be stewarded well and used. It's meant to help us uh, image God to trust him more, to allow him to create us more and more and heal his image in us more and more, to bring order and beauty for the benefit of others. And we don't have to worry about time. We don't have to worry about picking the right exact career. We don't have to worry about if this is the thing that I should be to pursue God and who he is, and to enjoy him forever, even within our vocation. So work is from God and is a good gift to his image bearers. Uh, this morning, um, our work and what I talked about really only has eternal value for those who have trusted the finished work of Christ. And as, as we think about our work, uh, what we find ourselves doing, I want to remember and begin to remember uh, Christ's work. That he entered his creation 
that he lived perfectly on our behalf, and that he was raised for our benefit. He entered our tohu vavohu, our wild and waste of our lives, and he brought ultimate order and beauty for our benefit. And so this morning, um, if you've trusted Christ, then you can press all the way into that reality. And Monday morning, no matter what awakes you, awaits you, it may be frustrating, it may be hard, and there still may be tension there, but you can trust that there's purpose and meaning and, and value that God has brought to that. And if you haven't trusted Christ, then come talk to us. We want you to, to trust him uh, and to live into these realities. And so this morning, um, my wife and I will be at the back if there's uh, anything that you want us to pray about, talk to. Again, man, I would love to talk more about this. There'll be another couple over here at that tree as well that will be ready um, uh, to pray with you as, as well. Let's pray, and the band can come up. God, thanks for being good to us and for um, not leaving us in uh, meaningless toil. God, thanks for uh, just the gospel and how it uh, heals our hearts, but it also gives us meaning and purpose and uh, the work that we find ourselves doing. And so whether someone here is struggling with just what they feel like to be the meaningless of work or they're struggling with their, their gifts or how they can most be used and effective for your kingdom, God, I ask that you would remind them of who you are as someone who is bringing order and beauty for our benefit, that you've created this world that was meant to continue to reflect your work and your activity in the world and what a joy that we get to do that. So I pray that you'd remind us uh, tomorrow morning that there's value, that you're working, that you're present and that you're using us to uh, redeem and rescue and heal the world. In Jesus' name, amen.